This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And um, continuing my series, I feel so blessed because I have an opportunity on RCR to interview the, what do you call them? The third parties, the minor parties, the smaller parties, the would-be, could-be parties, the parties that we don't sort of notice. And I have this great opportunity to give them our platform and interview them because I love them all. Because I guess I know what it feels like to be standing for Parliament as an outsider. It is so tough, so hard, so harsh, and everything is bent against a new party. Everything is in the favour of the existing old legacy parties. And when you talk to the smaller parties, they're citizens, not politicians. And I always feel we want citizens in our parliament, not politicians. And so it's a great pleasure that I have on the show Helen Horton from the New Conservative Party. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Rodney. It's really good to be here. And first, I just want to thank you for providing this platform for, like you said, the citizens, those of us who are just general Kiwis who have fed up with what's going on in parliament and want to stand up for those the part of the uh, New Zealand who are not represented. And I don't know, I haven't got the exact figures, but I'm pretty sure it's close to 30% of New Zealanders are not represented in Parliament. Would you know oh, those for figures? Sure. For mm. sure. No, um, well, count me in. Um, we just, as just before we came on air, we established a wee connection. that you. Mm -hmm. I went to Rangura High School. We won't say the years, will we? Oh, I went. I started in 1970, and you started at Rangura High School in 1979. Was 79, right? I, yeah, those years. It's kind of scary when you think about those years, isn't it, really? <laughs> it makes us feel ancient, although, you know, we're not, Rodney. No. <laughs> um, who was headmaster when you were there? Oh, look, um, I have to be honest with you, I was a little bit messed up and a bit of a rebel at high school, and I didn't pay too much attention to authority figures, so I was one of those students who had to scrub graffiti off the um, wall. Do you remember the big walls that they had there? Yes. Gosh, um, yeah, look, it was a male. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we had Tom Tom Penny. Oh, and Gus Conway was a deputy, but not to worry. Um, yeah. we never so had I, I'll explain why uh, shortly. I'll I know. We yeah. never had graffiti. Oh, so that happened yeah. when I came on board then? No, oh. it happened before you came on board. No, there was <laughs> never graffiti. I can remember getting caned Ooh. for riding my bike uh, back after going home for lunch and my socks slipping down below my knee and I got caned <gasps> by the deputy um, principal for my socks down. Oh my gosh, that we is would have, It was fantastic. No, I, 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 I look, I think it's fantastic. I can remember the girls kneeling down and having their skirts um, measured above wow. their knee. And I can remember inspection where if there was one hair of your head sitting on your ears, um, I don't know what happened. You had to get it cut. I, it would never happen. It was short back and sides. You had to wear a cap. Do you know what? 
I look back on that and I say they were absolutely correct. I, it was correct that I got the cane for having my stocks come down because they taught standards, they taught respect, they taught discipline. And um, to be honest, getting the cane never, I got it quite a few times. It, we all did. Never particularly bothered me. Most of the time I got it, it was for things I hadn't done. Um, because if I was going to do something naughty, I'd figure out how to get away with it sort of thing. But, you know, you, you, I mean, I'm sounding like an old man, aren't I? But we're talking to a new Conservative Party leader, so it's okay. But <laughs> we're not, we're not for corporal punishment. Probably. No, no, no. But you know what I mean? There was respect. Yes. There was standards. You couldn't turn up to school in your pajamas right <laughs> like you pick couldn't. and save yeah no you couldn't you yeah. couldn't you you actually had to dress up and wear a uniform and wear it properly and out of that you know you got some pride and respect and you look at it now and the kids the teachers the teachers that you see in school wouldn't be allowed into a school we never had a teacher without a tie mm. Um, anyway, that's me going back. So we knew, gosh, the thought of graffiti. I just can't imagine graffiti. Oh, oh, Rodney, I have to share one more thing before we move on from the Rangura. So I suppose then when I came on board, you wouldn't have been with the group of students hanging around the railway tracks. So we used to sneak down to the railway tracks and have a smoke in the, um, uh, behind the railway tracks. So you wouldn't have been around then. Oh, look, Do you remember... I can remember people sneaking down to the railway tracks for more than a smoke. <laughs> but, um, oh, dear, no. Oh. I was never one of those, right, because I, oh. I was too scared to be naughty. Okay. All right. Actually, you're right. I was too scared to be naughty as well, but I got to a point where, um, yeah, look, look, I'll just share a wee bit of why I'm even here now. So tiny, brief bit of that background because now that you're talking about Rangiora High School so I left school at 14 years old so I was at Rangiora High for a year and a half uh, I think as soon as I turned 14 I started to rebel from a very dysfunctional childhood and so as well as leaving the school I was a runaway living on the streets I got involved so tell in me tell me what a dysfunctional family looks like that you were in oh single mother um, a lot of alcohol, a lot of um, the caning, as you referred to, for school, um, you know, it's a different level of kind of beatings that I got at home. It wasn't for things like what you were talking about, having standards. It was yeah, just a, quite a messy childhood. I won't go too much into Did that. Did you have but siblings? Like, uh, yes, one from uh, one of each. So I had a older brother and a younger sister from a different father. The sister was a different, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of. Um, so let's yeah, just was, say your mother wasn't um, what one would hope for in a mum. No, afraid not. So Still, look, let's <laughs> I won't dwell on it. Yeah, I won't dwell on that. But I will say that yeah, I was a runaway. So I lived on the streets. I got involved in crime. So when alcohol, you say you ran away, drugs. you ran you ran away from home at fourteen. 
Yeah, look, I, I hitchhiked from Rangura, you know Rangura, so I used to hitchhike from Rangura into the city, and then I started hanging around the street, um, you know, what was it, Christchurch Square, where the doghouse was? Do you remember yes. the doghouse? Yes. Yep. So I was one of those kids that were in there, and um, that was that became my lifestyle for quite some time. I um, obviously got involved with a lot of drugs and crime and uh, alcohol at 14 years old. Mm. It took, I tell you what, Rodney, it took almost two decades to create a better life for myself and my sons after a few, you know, just navigating through all of the um, interesting journey after a failed marriage as well, which included several trips to women's refuge later on in life. I then went on in my early 30s to put myself through teacher's college, incredibly enough, even though I had never even written an essay before because of that limited and interrupted school years. So I, you can understand why I speak a lot about family. So family is a passion of mine as well as education and protecting children. For the past 22 years, Rodney, I've, Christchurch East has been my home. It's where I found my feet and my life changed for the better. Okay, I started off here, though, in a state house with my two-year-old and four-and-a-half-year-old sons. Christchurch East, on my own. Yep. And when you were 14, why did you take drugs and drink alcohol? I was on the streets, uh, Rodney. I had no home, no family, no connections. And my family became the other dysfunctional young people around the streets. And actually, a lot of them were older. They, I probably was the youngest at that time. So a lot of them were the older people that were... Um, and where did you sleep? Oh, you're going to have to read my book one day, Rodney, when I get the I book will, published. but I haven't got time right now. Okay, so so my very first night out, I slept in the toilets. And do you, oh, you know Rangura, obviously, Victoria Park toilets? Yes. I, I actually slept there with my feet barred up against the door, so afraid that somebody would um, get in, but I was more afraid of being at home. So that's, that's how I started off my teenage years. And you know what? There was, I did find one night, one of the churches there, they had a, um, the door was unlocked. And so I slept in there and it was great. The problem was, you know, when you're 14 and you're dysfunctional because you've got all this baggage of what your childhood was about, I started taking some other people along to the church with me. And I kind of laugh when I talk to God because, you know, sometimes I talk to God, I don't know about you, but, you know, I kind of laugh with them now because I stole things from that church when I was 14 years old shocking mm. <laughs> that I actually stole from a church where, you know, here I was thinking um, it was a place to sleep, a place of refuge, but I took along some other young people one night and we stole some things, you know, as you do when you're young and silly. Um, but, you know, I have a good I'll laugh with God about that. And so I know he forgives me. Was there uh, anyone yeah. looking looking for you when you're out on the streets at 14? I mean, it's crazy. You would think so. But no, I managed to avoid, I kind of slipped under the cracks. I think because I was so, um, well, not connected to family and there wasn't any protections for me, that there hadn't been an interest in my life. And so I just became a nobody. I was a nobody at that point, that 40 hours, I, I was nothing. I actually, you know, a few years later even, I, I actually believed that I just belonged in the gutter and that I was worthless. I had been told that for much of my childhood and 
so, yeah, I was very dysfunctional, Rodney. I had no so self-esteem. school ended at 14? School ended at 14. A home ended at 14. I was uh, homeless. I was what you could really call homeless. Um, hiding. I went into hiding. I The first things to, to survive, I was stealing milk bottle money when they actually used to put money in milk bottles. Yes. Honestly. And, yeah, I got involved in petty crime, shoplifting. I won't talk about too much of my crime because I don't want the police to, you know, come knocking on my door. And <laughs> I do have a small criminal record from the past. Yeah, just mm. petty stuff mainly. And you did drugs? <laughs> I did drugs. I can't believe what? I'm talking about this on air, but, hey, I own my past. What sort of drugs? Uh, so it started off with weed, you know, the cannabis, and a lot of that, a lot of it. Then I'd um, alcohol was my main thing. Though. I used to, I drank a lot, drank a lot, and then I moved into the New City Hotel when I was sixteen years old, and I was. So just tell me, teenage. you were drinking yourself to oblivion <laughs> to stop the pain, or just um, it, fun yeah? Look, it, look, it wasn't it wasn't that so much at fourteen. Ugh. We started drinking at 14 years old in Victoria Park in Rangiura with a few young people. We'd get the older ones to go and buy us wine from the bottle store, and then we'd go and drink the cheap Chardonnay, I think it was, if I remember rightly. Chardon, Chardon, Chardonnay, you might recall that. As, um, yeah, we'd drink in the park. That was my early days, and then it got to top shelf. By the time I was 16, I was uh, in New City Hotel. I was living there. And I was drinking vodka. At, um, I'd leave the bar at 3 a.m. in the morning, take my jug of vodka to, up to my room. So I was a teenage alcoholic, Rodney. I don't drink now. I haven't drunk for, oh, probably 15 years, getting close to 20 years probably. I don't drink. No. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, and you're 16. How come you found yourself? Well, I don't know this hotel. What was this hotel? Was it a what was oh, a, um, a Doss House or something? Yeah, pretty much. So I slept. Well, I had a room upstairs, and you know, it was a place where all the strippers hung out. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was an interesting, interesting few months of my life there. Uh, and then I went. Oh, I, sorry. I met my my to be husband there actually at the same time, and so he he also had a pretty dysfunctional life, and obviously we connected. And by the time we were um, 17, 18, we were living together. Mm, so there you go. So, yes, I had quite a messed up beginning. And, you know, with my backstory, I know all the issues that face our communities because I've lived experience of dysfunction. And my journey and my personal growth has been transformational to say the least, especially my spiritual journey, Rodney. I want to hear now about the transformation. You're married, you know, or you're living with someone, you've got two sons, that all turned to custard. That right? turned to custard, yeah, because and, we were both, you know, from dysfunction, yeah. Yeah, and then coming out of it, what happened? Oh, coming out of it, that was another horrific part of my life. So I was, what were we? 29, no, 30. Oh, no, gosh. Early 30s, I I spent a few trips in Women's Refuge to actually come out of that. And then I finally made This is the, your marriage you're coming yes, out of? Yes, yes. That was my marriage. Um, I packed up the house 
one some time when he was out drinking and took my young boys because I didn't want them to grow up with the same kind of fears that I had grown up with, basically. Um, yeah, so I've done the woman's refuge, been through all of that drama. And like I said, 22 years, Christchurch East has been my home since the woman's refuge and changed my life for the better. Uh, incredibly. Oh, how? Did you say how? Mm. What happened? I mean, you're in the woman's refuge, you're an alcoholic, you've got two young boys, you've got no money, no future. Um, by your own account, you, you feel a loser. Everyone's looking at you as a loser. You're relying on charity at the woman's refuge, mm. uh, even to keep yourself physically safe, uh, let alone mm. materially provided for. And now look at you standing for high office as a party leader. What happened to get you from an alcoholic mother, solo mother, at the woman's refuge? What got you out of that? Okay, so so the teenage alcoholic was, um, I, I slowly started removing myself from alcohol before I had my sons, before I gave birth to my first son, 29 years old. I had slowed down in my drinking because uh, I lived with my husband, although we weren't married all the time, for 16 years, and that was pretty tumultuous with a lot of alcohol abuse and all that comes with that, you know, Jake the Must type of style of once for warrior living. Now, I so I slowly started removing myself or alcohol from my life because of what I was dealing with my, with my ex-husband. And by the time I had my sons, I wasn't really drinking much at all, to be honest. Um, however, it wasn't until, you know, they were a couple of years old by the time I'd stopped completely. I decided that was it. I wanted a better life for my sons and to change the cycle for them. So I did everything I could to improve my life. And that was my main drive. It was my sons were my drive for everything. So I couldn't even escape my marriage for myself all the times I went to refuge because like I said, I had no self-worth. So to me, it wasn't for me, it was once I saw what could my sons could have gone through that I decided that's it, I'm out. I need to keep them safe, remove them from this, from this environment. And then I spent years of their childhood just protecting them, but I kind of overprotected them. And as you can imagine why, and we were quite isolated. So I didn't let anyone in around me and completely isolated myself and them from anything, any, you know, past family or any of that. So, yeah, it was it was tough going, tough, uh, you know, you survive as a solo parent. Well, I don't call myself a solo parent because I, I don't like that term. And I was married when I had my children. And so I prefer to use a single parent. So I raised them as a single parent. And it's a real struggle, you know, because you're you're providing everything. You're providing, you know, the financial toll. You are surviving week by week, and you know, one day, you know, you'll you'll see it in the book. But I feel for my oldest son because he remembers when I used to take his stuff to the pawn shop, and I know that sounds shocking, but like I would, I ensured that I made sure that they had things that I didn't have. So they had all the technology, but then there were moments where a couple of times when I'd, you know, go down and pawn it, I'd get it back. But that's how how we had to survive. You know, it was tough going, really hard. So I really do feel for single parents out there. It's um, and you don't go into you don't go into ch uh, having children 
thinking that you're going to become a single parent. You want the best. I would say a majority of single parents out there wanted the best for their families and they didn't have children imagining that they were going to end up doing it on their own. Yeah. I think most parents want the best for their children. So that's a a little bit. And I wasn't planning on telling you all that, but everyone's going to hear about that now. And that's okay because I own my I own my background because it's that that my experiences that undoubtedly give me a unique perspective. How old and are your boys? How old are your boys now? Oh, 24 and 27. My goodness. They're amazing, my sons. My sons are awesome. But I better not talk too much about them because they'll growl. They'll tell they will me growl. Off. <laughs> but I've got to say they're awesome. They're incredible. They're hard workers. They've got an incredible work ethic, and I'm really proud of both of them. Mm. Did they live with you? Oh, uh, so my oldest, eldest, he and I built a home about five years ago, but he's now living in Australia. My youngest has travelled to Europe twice, but since COVID he came back came back to New Zealand, was flatting for a short time. At the moment, he's doing a short stint back at home, as many of our young people are. (laughs) It's quite nice when they do come back home, I've got to say. I love having them around. They must make you very proud. Oh, I am super proud of them. Uh, You know, we're we're not perfect. I mean, gosh, my um, youngest... He, you know, reminds me of some of the not so great things of my parenting, which is you know. well, we all have that as parents, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. um, when you look back on your childhood and early years and tough years, do you look back on it resentfully? You know, Rodney, years ago, I think I did. I did years ago because I thought I was ripped off. You know, I I felt really ripped off as a child. My childhood was taken from me. I didn't have one. You know, if you, when you read my book in years to come and see what I've experienced and what I had to do to survive, it is a shocker. And I didn't have a childhood. And so, you know, I didn't have a voice. I couldn't speak. Um, I was beaten. So I was, I was afraid. And then I lived a very fearful life for a long, long, long time, even through my marriage. And so um, I did feel resentful that I missed out on so much. But I know that that's made me who I am today and why I can stand now in politics and help others. So that's why I'm dedicated to making a positive impact and involve myself in politics where decisions can make or break society and like I've, what I've explained to you, you know, that journey has given me a unique perspective into the issues that our society face um, and, and who else would be best to actually speak into these things in Parliament, um, especially when it comes to the broken families that we have that are rife in New Zealand and the abuse of substance abuse. Yeah. I'm Look, looking, uh, so, I'm, I'm, so I'm you get you, you now. Right? And the <laughs> yeah. listeners can't see you, but they can hear you. And what I'm looking at is a wonderfully confident woman who I would have said was much younger than you are. <laughs> Good one. Who speaks extremely well and 
has got a good grip on the world and articulate. So I'm looking at an intelligent, confident woman. I can't believe that you got there given your background, and it puzzles me. It just puzzles me. Was it always in you? Like, did someone rescue you? Um, did you rescue yourself? Was there a moment? Did you find God? You are amazing to be standing up as a leader of a political party standing for parliament, but not just doing so. I mean, I have interviewed MPs who can't hardly talk, right? But you clearly can. You've clearly thought things. Where did all that come from? Oh, uh, hey, it was a lot. It was a journey. So I was dysfunctional for a long time in my adult life to get through all of that, Rodney. And after the marriage finished and I went into Women's Refuge, you know, I, I was in hiding for a few years. So, like I said, I lived in fear. And uh, for, for those people who are out there listening, some of them know what that's like when you leave a relationship where you actually think that you're going to be uh, found and then murdered. You know, it's a pretty fearful time. So, yeah, there was a, a lot to get through. And I used to, I just believed that I was quite strong. I actually believed I was a strong person. And so I put myself through teaching college. Uh, I'm the founder of a charitable trust now supporting families. I've fostered high needs children and I'm halfway through a law degree. Now, all of that, I, I must say that, you know, in the early days when I, after I became a teacher, I still had a lot of self-doubt and uh, that feeling of, you know, I was teaching and yet I felt like I, people knew my backstory that I, I wouldn't, you know, I didn't fit. Like I felt like I didn't fit because I wasn't one of them. I wasn't, you know, well-raised and um, well-spoken. I mean, you say I'm articulate, but, you know, I, I do struggle at times because, there was a lot of alcohol abuse and to retain things, I have to work extra hard. Like I said, I'm doing a, a law degree now and oh my gosh, it is hard work. So, you know, the alcohol really did impact my ability to retain information. And yeah, so so there's a struggle there, but we you just work away at it, Rodney. You 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 start with small steps and I'm I'm a I'm pretty driven. I'm a strong person, I'm driven. But then, look, on saying all of that, I used to think it was me, but um, I did find God, okay? So about oh, 12 years ago, I had an encounter, and then I realized actually it wasn't just about me being strong. I could see a few things in my life that had happened where I had been protected, and yeah, look, I'll explain more about that um, another time, but I certainly have had an incredible spiritual journey and I, you know, know that I've been protected in many places and I know I have a, a story and a purpose. And I think that's highly important for everybody out there who, whatever they, whatever, wherever they are in their life, that it's important to have a purpose in life and to be connected as well. I never felt, I was never connected to any family, as you've heard, but through a church that I went to for about 10 years, I had a huge connection there and um, that that helped me. That really helped me change my life. So even though I told you I was strong and I became a teacher and all of that, there was still a lot of pain deep down that I hadn't addressed. 
And so, you know, you, you keep it buried and you, I had this kind of concrete wall up and um, didn't let anyone near me. I was so fiercely independent, but also untrusting of everyone. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, like I said, I was overprotective of my sons and, and they kind of had to live through that experience of not having others around either. So they were quite isolated and, you know, that's that's got effects now, I'm sure, which is a big regret for me. However, you know, you can't change your past and, and we all make mistakes. So, um, yeah, it was my spiritual journey that healed me, that healed all the pain in my past because there is a lot. You can't go through that kind of stuff, Rodney, and come out <laughs> like a normal, you know, like everything's everything's great. You know, you, you bury it all and it's going to come out exploding sometime. And so I, I actually laugh about some of it now where, you know, people have said, oh, gosh, politics. And I said, yeah, but you need a bit of mongrel, right, to be involved in politics. And I've got that. Like you say, I'm articulate. And yes, I'm a teacher. Well, I've been a teacher for 16 years. I founded a charitable trust and I'm doing a law degree, but I've still got a bit of mongrel, <laughs> Rodney. And you can't get through all of that street life without having some of that still there. So I'm not you know, highly spoken all the time. And, you know, I make mistakes and sometimes I still don't like certain people. <laughs> you know, you I mean, are, I'm not perfect. <laughs> you are listening to Rally Check Radio. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We're talking to Helen Horton, uh, the leader of the New Conservative Party, who's asking for your party vote for the New Conservatives. And what a story. Some politicians sort of talk up their story. And here we have Helen who just tells it. And I'm sitting here crying for that little 14-year-old girl all alone. I can't imagine the pain. And here you are. Tell us about the New Conservatives. Yeah, well, New Conservative. Now, that's um, I got involved with them because... They stand up for the things that I stand up for. And as you've just alluded to, you know, it's those 14-year-olds, it's those young people who also, there's many of us out there who have suffered through adverse effects of family breakdown, the alcohol abuse, a lot of things in society that we need to address as New Zealanders. We must have these conversations. And I get very fiercely uh, protective of children. You know, it, it's it's... I mean, a sizable and growing portion of New Zealanders have those traditional family values, and yet we've got no political power. So New Conservative exists to provide those people with parliamentary representation, but also for those who don't, who are not aware of um, how this dysfunction can happen. And I'll start with education because that is where my passion is for children, but also for education, because as you heard, I was robbed of that, basically. Now, New Zealand, as you know, has been spiralling downwards for a long time. In 2000, we were one of the top performers, but it's no surprise that we're underperforming now, and New Conservative will bring back those basic and put the control back into the hands of school leaders along with the parent community, Rodney, because they know what's best for their children. We want to remove the lobby groups from having access to school. So 
I don't know if you know about my petitions, but for over four years now, I've been asking for an investigation into the radical gender ideology that's pushed by the Ministry of Education. And it's in, yep, and it's enforced by the Teaching Council. I've petitioned the government to remove gender ideology from the sexuality guidelines, ban puberty blockers for minors, and stop the affirmative care model for minors with the gender confusion. So this is... You, you would have heard about it happening in the oh, schools, I'm, I'm sure. Up, up to my head in it with two little girls at primary school. It is disgusting. Oh, it is yeah. child abuse. Yes, so it is. It my, is. I mean, you've just heard about my abuse. So I know what affects children and, and how we need to overprotect them when they're my, young. My little girl at 11, that listeners know this, my little girl at 11, without my knowledge, had inside out, you know exactly who they are, turn up and talk to her class for two hours without any parent knowing. And my daughter came home and she said, you better sit down. And I said, oh. And she says, we've just had these trans and lesbos in. Mm. These are teenagers who are mixed up, Mm. poor kids, uh, teaching them about how they could be a boy or a girl. Now, my older girl, Strongfoot, my next girl, if they came, she would be, she would wreck her. She's a naive, lovely, perfect, little girl hey Rodney it's not just about being naive though these people are bastards yeah they are look like it's not just about your beautiful daughter being naive she's a child and and they should be innocent you know this lobby group is one of the ones inside out that we need to remove and that's the one that I'm talking about um Government funds they, them. They are funding them to create sexual lessons for our children with our taxpayers' money. Like you said, with parents mainly not knowing the content of what they're being taught. Um, it's horrific. I've been having a whole lot of um, parent meetings across the country, a lot around Canterbury, because we've got some groups that have been putting on meetings where I can speak at. Parents are horrified about this, and it's so good now after four years New Conservative have been talking about it that finally others have picked up that. You know, you've got other politicians now who are addressing it. Not enough, but, um, you know, it is being talked about now. We even had the Teaching Council CEO who had to come out because, you know, I've been pushing it, and she's tried to say that she has reached out to New Conservative to talk to us, but I've got to say when I responded to them, to try and get an interview with her, the response was, oh, well, she'll be in touch in due time, and that was months back. So don't tell me that they've reached out to speak to us. Look, I've sacrificed a teaching career to deal with this issue alone, and I don't even know whether, you know, when I got tried to, if I tried to get back into uh, the classroom, if I'd actually have a shot because now my registration has expired. And they are deregistering teachers who don't follow that party line of um, affirming gender confusion or using pronouns, as you might have heard with a teacher who was deregistered. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. The, only, the only adult telling the truth has been kicked out of teaching anywhere in New Zealand. Yeah, and like I said, I doubt that I will be able to get my registration back because of how I have challenged the ministry and opposed them. You know, they'll use the teaching council guidelines against me because I've spoken out 
uh, about the reputation of the school system. So New Conservative believes that the success of the education system depends on three things, Rodney. One is strong families. Teachers should not be social workers picking up the pieces of these broken lives. And again, you've heard my experience. So I know that when a child has trauma, they're not cognitively able to learn. And no matter how good the teacher is, without a safe, loving family environment, no child, oh, sorry, the children will fall through the cracks as I did. So that's our number one, strong families, which is why we have huge family policies. Number two, a focus on making sure every child masters the fundamental skills, reading, writing, and arithmetic. We have shockingly poor levels of numeracy and literacy among New Zealand school leavers. You've probably heard, I think it was 51% were only functional leaving high school, and that's just appalling. Number three, an expectation of excellence. So maths and science high school teachers recently were overwhelmingly rejected that new curriculum refresh. It's dumbing down our children. That's what they've said. You know, I mean... How, how do they go into university when they haven't even got the levels that are required when they leave high school? So just a few other things on our to-do list for education will remove left-wing ideologies from the curriculum, including critical race theory, gender theory, decolonisation, and extremist climate science. Oh, my God, I love you. Thank you. There is an excessive interest in sexual matters, especially I know. the sexual activity of children. We know that um, I think it's 16 is the legal age of consent, and yet we've got children 13 at high school being taught. You'd be horrified at the explicit I, language. I know exactly the language. And, okay. Um, I, because I uh, went along to a Bob McCroskey talk here in Queenstown, and right. he had to apologise because yep. it was pornographic. But as he said, this is what is in the schools to your children. By the way, I am like pretty laid back sort of person and pretty wild at language and all the rest of it. I was mortified at him presenting the curriculum. I, I was embarrassed because there were women and elderly ladies mm -hmm. and young mothers. And I sat there embarrassed that this was even being discussed. And yet this is what is going on. Rodney, when, when I talk about these things, I also, well, I actually, I say to the audience that I'm not going to apologize so that I sit there and I've used those terms you know they I can't probably can't say it on radio can no. I no. no so you know I, I okay so I use those terms and some of the audience look horrified like you said they're embarrassed and then I say to them hang on a minute you're embarrassed how do you think your 13 year old daughter granddaughter you know sons feel when they're having to sit in a classroom with a you know stranger like these inside out people or whoever talking to them about you know with these terms how you know we've got to protect these young people we're embarrassed as adults what about our children 
Anyway, so we're going to end the witch hunts against schools and teachers who do not follow the left-wing party line. We're going to promote alternatives to mainstream state school, including homeschool, special character schools. And we know they're out there, but we want to fund them. So give them the money, you know, that the um, mainstream school are getting. They deserve it. If if people are homeschooling, they deserve that money if they're taking that initiative. And quite frankly, with the way school's going, I promote homeschool. We're going to remove the lobby group, like you said, inside out, which are government-funded, creating sex lessons. The bad news is, Rodney, we can't only just reform the Ministry of Education. We need a revolution and a complete overhaul. It's a mess. So that's the bad news. Now, I'll talk about economy because we're not only about education. See, this is one thing that's different with our party and all the other tiny parties is we cover everything. We've got solid common sense policy over every area, whereas a lot of the others only might have one. And, you know, there's great people out there, but they're running with one policy and we cover everything. So our economy, we know that the cost of living is at the top of everyone's mind, this election. We've got robust monetary and tax policy. So I'm just going to give you a brief summary of a few key features because I don't want an economy that we're going to hand down to our young people where they have to work 60 hours a week to survive. For those young married couples, we also want it to be possible for them when they start their family that both parents don't have to work, Rodney, and put their children into childcare if one would rather stay at home and raise their children. You know, I mean, there's research out there around how important all of this stuff is for our young people, that there's a parent at home. Obviously, this depends on having a responsible government to manage the finances, though, and maintain that economic stability. And there's no surprise that inflation has been made worse by this government's reckless government spending. So New Conservative favours low inflation, and more stable, predictable interest rates. We call for caution in the increasing government expenditure. We oppose the um, idea of a central bank digital currency, obviously because of the risks to freedoms and civil liberties that that brings. Um, I know that a lot of your audience would agree with me around that. And we're talking about an accountability for spending. So the emphasis for us is on transparency and accountability. It's crucial for you know, public trust. I mean, how many of us actually trust where our money's been spent? We just heard about the millions that goes to those lobby groups. The, the centralisation of spending needs to be reversed, and that's what we do. We advocate for decentralisation of government spending. Um, local communities, they have a better way of understanding their specific needs. So giving them that control over spending will result in more customised and effective solutions. Um, so look, families, I'll go to families because we, like I said, that's one of our biggies and um, it's a basic building block of society. It's dysfunctional. You know, I might have come from a dysfunctional family, but our society is dysfunctional right now because of the, the family um, breakdowns, you know, the lack of fathers in the home. Uh, one of our campaign actually is about restoring manliness. I don't know if you've heard that. We want to encourage manliness we know there's great fathers and sons out there, but, you know, they can get tarred with that same brush as toxic men. We want to encourage every man to be the best that they can be. I interviewed a 15-year-old uh, months back who, who 
incredibly mature 15 year old who is talking about this attack on their masculinity at high school even you know he's at a boys school and he told me that they're allowed to wear nail polish would you believe but not allowed to have a facial hair Uh, yeah, so manliness is a big, big thing for us. It's huge. And we want to celebrate and safeguard both genders, promote it as equals, so that we can build a strong society, not one where we're blaming each other all the time. Uh, so we've got our main flagship policy as a family builder, as a reform of the tax system and working for families, which will give everyone a $2,500 tax cut and a further $5,000 for each child. Um, we, with the taxes as well, we want to they have the income, the tax bans should be adjusted for inflation. Um, we've already got enough taxes. We oppose introduction of the new taxes like capital gains, uh, inheritance and wealth taxes. You're on um, Radley Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde, that wonderful lady who's telling us about these wonderful policies about support for men and women, women being women, men being men, for supporting families, for having a stronger economy, is Helen Horton from the New Conservative Party. Oh, wow. She's amazing. Um, The policies are great. Tell me, um, Helen, how is it going for you? How do you find the campaigning? as leader of a small party on the outside trying to get in? Well, right at the beginning, I thanked you for having for providing this platform. Like RCR, you guys are incredible. I've been interviewed a number of times now. We are, you know, you, you can see if you watch mainstream media, which I know most probably most of your listeners can't be bothered with it because they know that, you know, it's one-sided. You know, all I'm seeing is, National and Labour. It's it's anyone would think we're still in first past the post because that's the only parties that you you know that Jenna Lynch is talking about. You know, it's like a race between the two, and never mind the other small parties. Um, you know, we we can't get we can't get airtime. As you've heard, we have so many solid policies. Well, I haven't even got to co-governance or climate change yet, but we've got all of these solid policies, and yet we're shut out of the conversation. You know, we've got people who have been on the front line of um, what's going on in the communities, but we're shut out of the conversation so that New Zealanders don't know that there's great people who can actually get into Parliament who are not career politicians, who actually want to serve, not be self-serving. So, yeah, as a small party, it's a battle. We know it's a battle. It's even more so now that we have, unfortunately, a lot of others who have just sprung up, you know, just before election with their own little tiny parties. It's unfortunate that they, you know, a lot of people couldn't support some of the ones that had more of a chance to get there. You know, early on in there, we got uh, 2.7%, but then uh, a number of other parties have risen up since then. And so it just splits. It it completely shatters, you know, the chances of small parties. I, yeah, it's terrible, and the media oh. are doing an appalling job. They do an appalling job at, at, at the best of times in elections, but this year is particularly bad, yeah. uh, this election. But tell me, um, I can understand why a new Conservative uh, wouldn't support the ACT Party, 
because the ACT Party has sort of walked away from uh, conservative and family into being what you'd call, I guess, loosely more liberal. But when mm. you look at the National Party, traditionally they have been for family. Uh, they mm -hmm. have been conservative. Mr. Luxon is a Christian. Why don't you trust them to do policies of which you speak? Well, National has historically had some core uh, conservative, cons you know, conservative people, and many many of their people have the traditional views. Uh, still do vote for National, but we actually think that that's where the wasted vote is because even the MPs and those parties with conservative views are constantly muzzled, Rodney, mm. to appeal to the increasing liberal and progressive audiences. I mean, you know, we've seen that. You've got a couple of really good MPs Simon here, Simeon Brown, so, Simon, Simon O'Connor, Simeon Brown, great yeah. people. Like when I went to Parliament and spoke um, to the first petition I did, Simeon Brown was in the um, panel, panel of 10 MPs. I must say it felt like walking into the lion's den, but Simeon Brown actually spoke up for, for what I was standing on, you know, but he's one, you know, there's a couple of them, and like I said, they get muzzled. Muzzle. And so that's your wasted vote is actually there. Mm, good you point. Need to now, get I'm conscious of time. Yeah. Um, which is a curse, right? Because mm -hmm. you're so lovely. I tell you what I love about the new conservatives. I normally couldn't vote new conservative because typically conservative parties are headed up by I'm gonna sound like I'm an identity sort of politician. <laughs> You're not going I mean? woke. Are you going, going woke? No, it's this. You normally have a guy, right, <laughs> who's been successful in business, who's got the wife at home and the successful kids. Mm. And it's like preaching family values. And I look at them and I know I agree with them, right? Mm. But I find them like self-satisfied and i find them saying everyone should be more perfect like me <laughs> and it sort of drives me a bit spastic right i probably can't use that word it drives me a bit nutty am i i think i can say that because you sort of it's a it's a vibe that they give off you know like conservative guys um done all the right things gone mm. through the right school here we are i fear god and i worked hard i built my business up my wife's wonderful my kids are wonderful and we need more wonderful people like me and her and our kids. <laughs> good one that's that's the vibe i get <laughs> now i've got a new conservative party leader who stands up and says i ran away from home at 14 because of the abuse i never went to school I grew up on the streets. I got a room with strippers and prostitutes. I was an alcoholic. I took drugs and I stole and I stole from churches. I had kids to an abusive man and had to seek refuge in a woman's refuge. It took me years and years and years to dig my way out of my start in life. 
And God knows how I did it. Truly, God knows how I did it. Because mm. he was there helping me. Mm. Now, when I hear that story, it moves me. And when I hear you speak of the need for family and manliness, and of course, we're not talking about toxic. Mm -hmm. We're talking about men who respect and protect yeah. their woman and their yes. children. Man, that's powerful. Oh my goodness, that's powerful. Because you've never known it. Have you? No, Rodney. So thank you. Thank you for that recognition. And who would have thought that that person could now be leading not just any party, but a conservative, well, we could say male-dominated, you know, I mean, I'm the only woman on the board of seven men. And, yeah, so you can throw all that perspective out the window. Mm, around, well, I doff my cap to you. I think all those self-satisfied little journalists should stop talking and start listening, mm. start listening to you. I have to say I'm a big fan of Liz Gunn too. Um, tell me this. How do listeners find more about your party? Where can they go? What's the webpage? Um, so you've got the new conservative webpage, which, gosh, I'd have to actually look it up. That's terrible. No, they can Google it. I'm sure. You know, it's www.nc.org. But we also have restoring restoring New Zealand, restoring NZ, and that's where we talk about these um, important things like manliness, as well as uh, women. We want to protect the woman, the woman, the name of woman, and, you know, instead of the birthing person and all of that, we want to protect the name of mother, mothers. So I also advocate for our women. I don't know whether you're aware, I went to the uh, Posey Parker event to speak, and I didn't get to speak because, as you know, nobody actually got to speak except for those loud people that were out there being horrible and so I advocate for women in girls spaces we should not have biological males going into girls spaces and obviously I've got reason to make sure that we protect children in those spaces um, yeah biological you know I advocate but I also believe that you cannot change your sex no your biology says that you know you can do whatever you like as God an adult. God says that. Your chromosomes yeah, say that. Exactly. You've got males and you've got females. Helen, I have feel truly blessed to have spoken with you this morning and to talk to you. And I know it was painful to talk about your past, and I didn't want to do it for sympathy or for votes, but it sort of, I asked and Rangura, and it happened. But I can't tell you how blessed I feel that you shared with us and our listeners. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of everyone listening that we wish you all the very best for the campaign. And I hope you'll come on again on our show and talk more because get to Parliament or not, you have a lot to contribute to rebuilding this great country of ours. 
Mm. Thank you, Rodney. It's not painful anymore because I know that I'm doing the right thing and I own my past and it's important that people do share their stories and that their voters know who it is that they're voting for. So I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your kindness as well. Oh. Loved being here, loving here and talking about, reminiscing about Rangura. So yes, we'll talk again. Thank you, Rodney. There we go. That's Helen Horton from the New, New Conservatives. Remember, you can give me a text at 2057, email me, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Check out those New Conservatives.